0: You, you think about those those folks in war in the trench together, and you always say well, what were what were you fighting for? I was fighting for the guy next to me, right You, you think about those people in war who jump on a grenade. Well, why the heck would they do that right? They did it for the other they did it for the other person they they did it because they could yeah and and the same then applies to the employer. What do we do? Well, we do right for you because we can
1: hello and welcome to love as a business strategy a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace we're here to talk about business but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from we believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business hello i'm your host jeff ma and as always i want to have conversations with real people and hear real stories about how the real world works with love my guest today has just recently retired from a 37-year career with ExxonMobil. starting back when it was still exxon chemical he's worked in engineering project management sales account management sales management market development technology licensing change management i'm missing a bunch here but ultimately training and consulting across the entire enterprise as well so he's here today not just to talk about that but I'm interested in him sharing the inspirational philosophy and wisdom that he's built over those years. His name is Martin Levine, and I'll be calling him Marty today. Welcome to the show, Marty. How are you?
0: Oh, thank you. Great to be here. Sorry if there's a cat in the background. Um, I can't help it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think in the world
0: of virtual, I think three cats, they just wander around. So
1: animals are are common now. So you spent almost four decades at exxon Mobil. tell yeah. just let's start there what's that like
0: well you know i i it, it was uh it was a good career uh, i uh i'm one of those guys that uh did not uh, come from a professional background really i worked in a lumber yard uh, i went to georgia tech and then i got out and went to work at exxon Mobil. so it was kind of a totally new thing for me but you know you you uh you you learn you you put your head down. Uh, you make some mistakes. Uh, you try to keep a good attitude. Uh, you try to build a network, uh, and you try to uh, just do better. And so for me, uh, you know, it was, it was always a learning experience. Uh, I always enjoy new challenges. Uh, I learned early on that I really like. I was an engineer by training, but I learned I really like to do uh, people-oriented things, and in particular, sales uh, and marketing. And later, I got into procurement. So. I always tend to say i like to be at the tip of the spear right where where money's going out or coming in or whatever uh, to me that's the the exciting part of a business so it was it was good
1: awesome what what um i guess is your passion maybe that that kind of goes down the spine of that entire experience like what what's your passion
0: yeah you know the, uh, the last few years of my career i was able to to really work on that actually and it's, it's really this um, it's understanding of how people do business, and how sales people operate, how procurement people operate, how strategies work or should work, and how they should be put in place, and uh, really just helping people understand it because I find there's a lot of sort of inefficiency uh, in those relationships uh, because people are you know hiding stuff that they probably uh, don't need to hide, and people need to cooperate and collaborate more uh, than they than they really do sometimes, right? And so I really that's probably where my passion is, is to try to help people do better business, uh, by being, um, more open appropriately, uh, in order to get things done.
1: Well, Marty, um, I got, um, really intrigued to talk to you today because you had started, um, explaining a few things to me about love. And I, I know that, um, you're, this is, this could be connected to your exxon experience i i don't know you can tell me but um i know that you have um studied quite a bit and been very passionate about um a book by c.s lewis the four loves and what you had to say about that really really intrigued me and i was wondering if you could um start there for me a little bit what what is what is love for
0: you sure yeah i I don't think this is particularly tied to my career, this is more of an interest of mine. I, I had uh, read uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, book uh, some years ago. Actually, it's a series of lectures. You can actually listen to them on Audible. They're quite interesting. Uh, but, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, he lived back, he was probably one of the great minds of the last century. He was an English literature, um, uh, sort of, I guess, a critic of sorts at Oxford and uh, Cambridge. But he also did a lot of, you know, Fiction works, the uh, Chronicles of Nardia, and then as a Christian, uh, a lot of uh, apologetics, most best known being uh, mere Christianity. So anyway, he tackled this subject of love. Um, but this is, I think, back in the 40s, actually. And what he did is he laid out really two two types of love. He said there's, there's, there's gift love and there's need love. And gift love is like the love um, a parent has for their children. right? They, they All they do is give and they don't really you know, necessarily get anything back, need love is what the children have. They actually need the love of the parent, right? Because they need to, to live and be raised. So he, he explained those two things first. And then he got in talking about sort of four expressions of love. And this is what I thought when I, when I read the book, actually, Love is a Business Strategy. I said, well, it's interesting how can we unpack what C.S. Lewis had to say about love in the context of this book to maybe help understand how we might better apply this concept of love is sort of in the workplace mm. so Lewis really describes uh three what he calls natural loves uh one of them is affection um or he calls it storge is the Greek word for it uh the second one is philia which is uh friendship the Greek love for friendship I guess philia and the third is eros which is romantic love and so he describes those three as we call natural loves and we, what I mean by natural is they they're they're subject to corruption in a sense. They they can be wonderful, beautiful things, but they can also become sort of bad things. Hmm. And he talks about the fourth love, which is uh, he calls the Greek word is agape. Sometimes we use the word charity. It's it's in essence in essence God's love, and is the basic premise of the of the lectures is. And this is again from a Christian perspective. We're trying to apply this to a business perspective. Is that this this charity, this love of God. Uh, is it will set these other three loves right so that they can in a sense be perfected uh, otherwise they can become in a, in essence bad things and if you want I can, I can go through each one of them explain how that might happen because maybe it's not it's not obvious
1: yeah and I think one of my again excitements and getting a chance to talk to you today was that we um I guess the English language has the one word love and we use it in this podcast and the book sure. i use it all the time and it's it's absolutely you know correct that there are so many different ways uh that you can mean love when you say love the different types of love and all yeah. these different things and i don't think i think people can easily get tripped up on that especially when we say love as a business strategy like what type of love do you mean and so i was hoping we could explore that today and you having um you know Read the book a little bit and and having all this experience, I was hoping you could help connect those for us today. When it comes to um, yes, let's absolutely, if you don't mind, dive yeah. into those different types of expressions of love, and then and then maybe lead to the answer of like, well, what are we talking about then when we're talking about love as a business strategy? Let me,
0: let me What I'll do, uh, Jeff's. So let me go through each. I'll go through one and then we'll talk a bit about it and then we'll you know, I'll go through the next one. but perfect. so the first one the simplest one is is storge or uh or affection right it's it's a very humble love right it's very in a sense familiar um you know oftentimes uh, we have affection for things when when you realize we have affection for something it's probably already been there for a while you don't fall into affection with something like you fall into love it's something you sort of develops and then suddenly you realize it's there and it doesn't have to be between a person and a person. It could be between you and your dog, or or even some sentimental object, right? So it, it doesn't really discriminate in a sense. Um, in a sense, you know, for our existence, um, affection is necessary, right? We we're, we're humans are born little babies. We have to be raised. Uh, goodness knows, I had small kids, and they can be absolutely exasperating. And it wasn't for affection, <laughs> we'd probably just you know. Give them to somebody, right? Because that <laughs> can really drive you crazy. Yeah. But it so in a sense it's it's really sort of it's really sort of necessary for us. But let me read a little passage from the book just quickly to explain what I mean by this. But even in animal life and still more in our own, affection extends far beyond the relationship of mother and young. The warm comfortableness, the satisfaction of being together takes in all sorts of objects. It is indeed the least discriminating of loves. There are women for whom we can predict few wooers and men who are likely to have few friends. They have nothing to offer, but almost anyone can become an object of affection. The ugly, the stupid, even the exasperating. Uh, The language obviously uses is perhaps a bit out of taste in in today's world. But the, the fact is almost anything, anyone, can become an object of affection. It's not, it's not particularly discriminating, right? Mm. Which is interesting. Now, the problem is, is that there's downsides of affection are, uh, well, if, if you give somebody affection and don't get anything in return, then you tend to get upset about it, right? Uh, it become, it can become injured. It can become jealous. It, you can say, you know, because I love you and you're my child or whatever, I don't I ever want you to leave. Even though leaving may be good for you, you see this actually in a lot of movies, right? Where the the hero wants to go off and do something great, and someone's trying to hold him back, right? Hmm. That that's the downside of affection, right? It it, it can it can in a sense uh, trap somebody, and that's that's the problem with it. But it, it but it, it, it we need to have it because we need to be raised, we need to be loved, we need to have that that feeling that we're being loved. At the same time, it can become a problem.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, I believe there is romantic love somewhere down the line in the next, in the other section, but how is it different just right off the bat? Like, how is it different from romantic love?
0: It's affection and romantic love actually kind of go uh, side by side. I think I'm trying to get Lewis's book. He basically said, maybe this is a Southern thing where we have potatoes and gravy, but he often described it as as almost like affection is like the little bowl you make in your potatoes for your gravy and and romance is in a sense uh what goes in there uh romantic love is is surrounded by expressed by affection
1: so when you think when you think love as a business strategy what what percentage if any of that is is affection type love
0: i think I think a lot of it I think a lot of it can in a sense be you know affection. Uh, again, they all kind of go together and I think when we get towards the end we talk about about uh, sort of the the ultimate love or charity. we'll kind of maybe see a bit better how they fit together. but I think you can certainly have affection for your employees mm-hmm. you can have affection you know you, you 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 want the best for them, right That's the good side of it. Affection wants the best for the beloved, right? The downside is, okay, and you got to watch out for this. I think, I think in all these laws, we have to watch out. The downside is it becomes jealous, right? Um, you you have a colleague you're working with, and you want them to do well, but then suddenly they do well, they're going to be transferred to another department, get a promotion. Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the downside of affection. Uh, Makes sense. A, a true affection should always want the best for the beloved, and that that would apply to people who you work with. Does that make, does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. What's the next one?
0: The next one is, uh, is philia or friendship. Now, friendship is in a sense, not as necessary as affection. I mean, affection is what helps us be raised. Romance in a sense is what helps us be born. Uh, friendship is in a sense, uh, sort of less necessary, right? Um, and, and, and I think a lot of cases it's declined in modern times or perhaps in modern times, our friendships. Aren't as robust as they were in years past. We have all this communication ability now, but do we really communicate with each other? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's um, it's it's really, but it has a tremendous value. Right. Uh, It's it it can really a, a true friendship can truly help us, you know, soar to levels we couldn't be in before. Most friendships tend to be around something, right, an interest, something you're working on together um i've uh, tried to over the years develop friendships with with other men uh because i find them be very valuable and i find that you have to purpose yourself to do it in fact what i used to do is take guys out on camping trips and i find that men tend to become friends if they do something together that almost gets them killed and then <laughs> they become friends because <laughs> they sit around they tell the story about what happened and they you know embellish it or whatever and it gets bigger and they they smack talk the other guy. That's, that's how, you know, these, these friendships kind of, kind of develop. And so their way that we, that, that, a, that a small group can together do something that maybe, you know, you couldn't do by yourself.
1: And, and, and it's so kind of,
0: just,
1: it's yeah. kind of that, um, it's kind of that, I guess, lack of necessity and the effort it requires to yeah. do it. That makes it all the more special, right?
0: F- friendship isn't really jealous. At the same time, you know, if if you're friends with somebody or some group or three or three people, that that sort of says you're not friends with the other ones, right? And so the downside is people look at at a group of friends and they say, well, I want in that group. And then maybe they're not brought into the group. Maybe the people in the group didn't know they wanted in, who knows? But then because of that, friendship can become an exclusive thing. Hmm. And it can put people off and those who aren't in the friend group. feel put out and and that's sort of that's sort of the the downside of and obviously you know friend groups can work together to do great things or there's a lot of friend groups that are involved in crime for for example right Mm -hmm. so it's that's the that's the downside of it is, is its exclusivity that it can bring and you know back to the workforce the same thing right yeah uh you you want to work together to work towards a common goal as a company, right? You want to drive together. And so, uh, but when you get factions in the company, well, that can that can create some problems. I've always, you know, there's a saying that without vision, the people perish. I think it's a, it's a proverb. I think it's very important in a company, in a sense, everybody in a company should be part of a friend group in that company. If you think about it that way, mm. because you're all working together to do something that you could not singly do. Uh, and and you are uh, exclusive in that you have competition, you have customers, right? And those are separate from you, but you're working together as friends in a sense to do what you could not do alone. Does that make yeah. sense?
1: Absolutely, yes. What's next?
0: Romance is next. Now, this is a, this is a tricky one for the workforce, right? Yeah, I was going to so. see what
1: you're going to say about this. <laughs> so.
0: So you know, lovers are in a state of of, of being in love. Is I think what uh, what uh, Lewis said. We we often get love and sexual experience mixed up, but there are people who have sexual experiences without love, and there's people who have love without sexual experience. Right. So those two things are kind of separate in a sense. Right. They 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 come together sometimes, but they don't always come together. Um, the, I think the main thing about about eros uh, or, or romantic love in, is, is is its intensity. It's 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 this it's this burning intensity that it has, and and that is both its wonder. You know, w- when you're in love with somebody, when you fall in love with somebody, it's all you can do is think about them, right? It's a, all you can do is think about them. At the same time, romantic love in that respect has has the the downside potential have taken the beloved or even just the idea of being in love and in a sense turning it into a God or something, right? It becomes an almost a object of worship. It will overwhelm you. And I think we've all known people in life who that had to happen to, and they maybe fell in love with the wrong person. They wound up doing things they shouldn't have done. Uh, They wound up hurting themselves, hurting others. And they would say it was all because of their love. Mm-hmm. But it really, it really forced them to make bad decisions. And in a sense, it was like a drug they were on. So love, love in that sense has a downside. Yeah. So again, it's this intensity is so amazing, but it has the the ability on the downside to make you do things that aren't good. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. I think I think we've all seen that and maybe experienced it ourselves a little bit.
1: Yeah, my God knows I have.
0: Yeah, it can turn into hate right i mean you see people who are say they're in love and then something goes sideways and suddenly they just hate each other yes Uh, it's a seed for something very dark sometimes so yeah
1: so maybe maybe not fully or at least commonly applicable to the workplace but why don't we talk about i guess that the last kind of the binding type of love yeah. and, and see what how it all comes together
0: it's in that we'll, we'll kind of explore how it comes together i think so again he's lewis said these three natural loves uh friendship you know storge eros are, are can be corrupted and that's in fact what what they can be and in the christian sense you know the, the term agape is god's love and in a sense as a, as a christian you believe that you know god created man and then man fell and then god brought the solution to the problem through christ and 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 god did that out of his love for mankind it was it was a pure gift love right he he doesn't need anything back from us he would like to get something back from us but ultimately what we need is him we have ultimate need love with, with god now stop right there it's hard to apply that thinking to the workplace right it's not like the employer is god and the employees are man right but he, we, in fact, as, as employers and employees, uh, need each other, right? There's things the employee needs. There's things that the, the employer needs. So it's kind of a it's a back and forth. It's a, it's, a, it's a gift love and need love together. So, you know, analogies usually break down. And this one kind of breaks down there. I think the key point that I get from this as I read through the, 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 the book from Lewis that applies to this notion of, of, of this type of love, is the fact that you, you can't love without risk. When you set out this book, the, the love is a strategy, and you read through what you're going to do, all those things have a risk. And some people might say, well, because it's risky, let's not do it. So if you if you fall in love with somebody, it's a risk, they might reject you, right? So there's always a risk in loving. St. Louis has a fantastic passage, if you'll let me, indulge me, I'll read, it's not that long, on this this notion of the risk of love and why you wouldn't do it now there's two concepts in here uh again one is heaven which is where god is and there's all love and the one is hell which is complete separation from god a place you don't want to be so those two are in here but let me read this passage because i think it's powerful and it speaks to um th- they're taking the risk of loving those you work with there is no safe investment To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements, lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that dark casket, safe, motionless, airless. It will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. That's a powerful bunch of words there. And the, the point is, it is a risk, but it's a risk worth taking. If, if uh, when I read, you know, uh, the, the book I, I saw at the start, you know, Muhammad kind of separated himself from his employees, right? He, he was given advice to not mingle with them, that sort of thing. And in a sense, that's what he was he was doing. He was not loving, he was backing away from them. He was crawling into a coffin in a sense. Mm-hmm. of separation, of not being engaged and not being involved, of not risking hearing something maybe he didn't want to hear or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of reading some things into this at this point. But I think that's the message here. To do what you all are proposing in this book is wonderful. It's, it's a risk, but it's a risk worth taking. Because the alternative is tragedy, which I think perhaps you all experienced.
1: (laughs) Yes. And this is such a great, I mean, this is such an eye-opening perspective for me um, because the story as written in the book is it's pretty black and white and it, and it, and it it, on surface level, it also just, it makes a lot of logic sense, easy to follow, but I've, I've yet to really consider it from this perspective of, of that risk. And if you go, if I'm going back right now mentally and thinking through, Really, everything we've done, then and since then, to be honest, has been—you can just characterize and sum it up as kind of less less risk adverse in the sense of we yeah. when we pra- when we practice love in our work, and in what we preach, essentially, we are willing to kind of put ourselves out there, kind of exposing ourselves. When we talk about vulnerability, we're willing to be wrong, be yeah. shown as weak, be shown as, you know, lesser than and, and kind of embracing that is a big part now that I think about it, of how we describe love, and I've never connected the two before. I've often considered the elements of fear and things like that. Mm-hmm. But never really connected how like the, you know, the direct kind of polar opposite of of fear or really facing that fear is an act of of opening yourself up to love. And that's-
0: Yeah, love, love drives out fear.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and, yeah.
1: And we, and we teach this to people as often as we can, is that like, you know, the common workplace culture now is one that's driven by fear. Like the opposite would be fear as a yeah. business strategy, right? Where you're afraid of losing your job, you're afraid of, you know, looking bad, afraid of, you know, getting reprimanded, you have annual reviews. You have all these things that are just designed to keep people in check, but also it instills fear in and yeah. and and what we get is people who really only work enough to not be afraid, right? Yeah. yeah, only only do the amount of work that'll get them keep them safe, like you said, kind of in in their own comfortable coffin. He, if he you wind will.
0: up with mediocrity, then right,
1: exactly, uh, and, not and, not
0: with the best. There's, there's another concept here that uh, I'll mention that is in the in the book, and it's really that charity, agape, love is is simply loving because you can. Mm. I love you because I can love you, and and maybe that's something in the workplace we we think about, right? And working with your colleague, right? Uh, I'm going to love you just because I can. You, you think about those those folks in war in the trench together. And you always say, well, What were what were you fighting for? I was fighting for the guy next to me. Right. You you think about those people in war who jump on a grenade. Well, why the heck would they do that? Right? They did it for the other, they did it for the other person. They they did it because they could. Yeah. And and the same then applies to the employer. What do we do? Well, we do right for you because we can.
1: Yeah. Uh, and and such an important and eloquent way of kind of framing everything that i believe in at least and that i believe would help everyone because yeah um man i talk about this a lot but i think this this perspective is very very important to me now Uh, having having talked through it with you this element of of that type of love which is the love itself hasn't changed in my mind it's just really the way in which it's framed Around doing things for others, which we've always said, but also just from a place of of when we define love, being able to just support, lift up, help, and be selfless for others out of a place of because we can, because exactly, (laughs) because we don't need to be (laughs) afraid of the risk. We don't need to be afraid of what that might do to us or cause us in terms of you know any setbacks, but. Because knowing we do it will help others, and that i mean that 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 really sums it up. I know yeah, there's a lot yeah. a lot there's a lot of other steps for other people to take to connect that all the way back to the to the bottom line in their particular workplace. but um no this is powerful for me at least
0: let me let me add one other thing, Jeff, you know as as you were talking here, you something you said earlier, I think you know this this fear right that people have to to do this, right. Um, there are three concepts uh, that there's that uh, people talk about. See, people say I've lost my faith, right? What does that mean? That, that usually means they're fearful. But but what I find is that is that there's really three things. There's knowledge, what you know about something, and then there's what you hope about something. So there's there's what people know about working at a place, right? And it, or and it's what they hope about it. What 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 it could be? How wonderful it could be? How good it could be? Right? To get from what you, you can't have hope in something you don't know about. Yep, you, you have to start with some knowledge. But what people get afraid of is the risk in between mm-hmm. to get from the current state to the hope for state, which it always involves usually some risk, right? Yeah. In, the, in the Christian sense, faith is that which connects knowledge with hope. It's the faith that things will be better in the future. And in business, I think a lot of faith comes through our strategies, honestly. They are the action through which we have, in a sense, faith. Hmm. But there's always that risky moment when you say, I want to do this thing, and I'm worried it might not work out. But you're driving towards a a hoped-for future, and you have faith in doing the right thing, you'll get there.
1: I love it. Well put. And... (laughs) Wow. Uh, Time has slipped away on this conversation. And I I think that there's a lot more I want to dig into, especially um, I know there's a lot more we can talk about how that type of love can then connect to the other types we talked about, or at least bind them together and sort them out. Um, But we'll definitely say that for another conversation. I know that this has already been very, very helpful for me. And so Marty, I want to appreciate you for Coming on the show and and sharing this with us today.
0: Absolutely, been a pleasure.
1: Absolutely, and and um, I know that um, this type of conversation. Uh, I already know a number of people who really enjoy this conversation because this is one of the big things that we get asked a lot: is is what do you mean by love? And I think the English language does no no service to uh, no favors to the word love because that there's just too many different ways that we can be slicing and dicing that word. Yeah. And this, and this conversation thing I'm going to use to help clarify for people what we mean from this point on. So definitely appreciate that.
0: Well, to all, be of help.
1: Yeah. To our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. Uh, please do check out the book. Love as a business strategy for more information. Um, and uh, we appreciate your support all the time. So subscribing rating, leaving reviews and feedback, always helpful. So with that, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with Marty and we'll see you again next week.